What's up, legends? Welcome back to another episode of Zoning with Zach. Uh, absolute ripper episode today. I was lucky, lucky enough to sit down with Patrick Advice. Um, he's an exercise physiologist and he works with elite athletes at the Sixth Principle Gym. And today we cover all things hypertrophy. So, um, as known as muscle gain, we cover the fundamentals of gaining muscle um, from a nutritional standpoint. And then on the training side of things as well. So sets per week and reps per muscle group and the frequency and volume of your training to achieve optimal hypertrophy. And we also cover some of the misconceptions around bulking and the physiology side of um, gaining muscle because it can be a hard thing to want to put on weight um, intentionally. And Pat really breaks down the, the key aspects it takes to um, mentally shift from a fat loss phase into a gaining phase. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Um, I know I talk heaps out of it. I know you guys will as well. So if you do enjoy the episode, please take a screenshot, uh, share it to your story, tag me and tag Pat and enjoy the episode, guys. Pat, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Uh, I'm super pumped to have you here, man. Um, As I said, like... We're going to touch on a lot of things, hypertrophy today, and um, even from a training and nutrition side of things. So I guess just to get started, as I was saying to you off air, um, like I felt like I've almost been in a deficit for my whole life. Like I've tried so much to lose fat and um, yeah, really haven't focused on gaining kind of muscle and it's, it's always been about fat loss. But in terms of nutrition, and we'll touch on the training stuff as we, we roll into it, but what are your biggest tips for people um, who have been in a long-term deficit or people who are trying to start out um, to gaining muscle, and, and what are your biggest tips for them from a nutritional standpoint? Yeah, so as you mentioned, it's pretty common, like most people who have been trying to diet, there's a lot of people out there who have been doing long-term diets, just trying to lose weight, and after a while, your body gets used to not eating, so it gets very good at adapting and then your metabolic rate will tend to change and will drop down. So losing more weight becomes harder. So when you're trying to come out of that, depending on how long you've been dieting for, it's going to be different person to person. If you've just come out of, let's say, like a 16-week long-term fat loss, you might need a little bit less of time to sort of reset a bit of your metabolism. But if you've been dieting for like a year plus two years on and off keeping on trying to just lose weight it might just need a little bit more time of gradual increase of food intake just to bump up your metabolic rate a little bit yeah um so i guess my my main tips are reverse dieting is probably a really good starting point if you've been dieting for a long period of time so for anyone who hasn't heard of reverse dieting it's essentially just slowly increasing your calories from either week to week or fortnightly over time so that you're at you're bumping up your metabolic rate at the same time maintaining roughly your same body weight and what that essentially allows you to do is you can maintain your weight while eating more food which is exactly what you want. So if, for example, let's say someone has come off a calorie deficit and they're eating like, uh, for like an 80 kilo male, they're eating like 1300 calories and they're just starving. Yeah. Coming out of that, maybe each week you could just slowly climb that up to maybe 1400 calories one week, 1500 the next, 1600 the next. 
And over that time, you're tracking a bit of your body weight. Of course, it's going to increase pretty straight away um, with the increase in food intake. But if you can maintain roughly that body weight and go from eating 1,300 calories to then up to 27, 8 or 2,800 calories, it's going to be so much better for not only your quality of life, but your training performance, so many other factors as well that it's just going to lead to way better outcomes. So that's kind of my main tip is just to slowly start to eat a bit more food. With the reverse dieting and obviously when people start their deficit phase, you know, they can be at, say, 2,500, but they might end their deficit at maybe 1,900, 2,000. Um, what's a good, like a, a nice rate to come and bump those calories back up? Like obviously it, it's hard to go from, you know, 1,900 straight back up to 2,500 within the space of a day, you know what I mean? So mm. what's a good rate for people to reverse out of that caloric number? Yeah, it's a little bit tricky. Um, there's a couple schools of thought. Some people reckon you can just go straight in and back to what you were eating before. But if you want to do a bit more of a slower, gradual approach, which is te- what I tend to do with myself and what I tend to recommend for people, I'd say between 50 and 100 calories per week or per fortnight yeah. would, would be good, while at the same time you're tracking your body weight and seeing what's happening. Yeah. Um, so that's probably a good a good range. It's a little bit more food, but it's not a lot off the bat. Yeah. Should be, you be losing weight in that reverse dieting phase? Potentially you might. You might still be in actually a calorie deficit. Yeah. So if you are losing weight during that process, then you could probably have a little bit more food. Yeah. You might, let's say you go from eating, um, with that example I gave before, you go from eating 1,300 calories and then you, you bump it up to 1,800 after a few weeks and you're still losing weight. Maybe you could bump it more maybe try 2000 2100 and yeah and see what happens there yeah because the idea is to get out of that weight loss phase um and start to maintain and let your body adapt to like a new normal yeah rather than having to keep um getting lower with your body weight yeah absolutely love that man well answered and 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 this is something i struggle with because it, it can be like a bit of a mental problem for people to like gain weight on purpose Mm. and like um as i said before man i always give myself an example like i was always quite overweight as a as a young kid so to lose the weight um it's always been hard to hear about putting it back on you know what i mean um obviously it's it's through muscle this time so it's not fat um but why is it important like for people to not be in a deficit for long periods of time because people can really struggle with going up but being in a deficit for you know huge amounts of chunks of the year like can be detrimental to your body can't it oh absolutely and i 100 percent hear what you're saying it's a mental battle as well to go from suddenly the dieting the mindset of a diet okay i've got to lose weight lose weight my focus is my worth almost is like am i losing weight is my scale dropping am i am i shredded do i have my abs yeah so to then suddenly flip that and say all right, now I've got to eat more and reverse this process that I've been on for months, years, and it is instilled in me. It's a hard process. Yeah, man. So it's not something that you can just necessarily flick the switch and um, nah. transition over. Um, so it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Yeah. But it's, as you said, being in a chronic long-term deficit, so many uh, negative impacts yeah, on your like health. Yeah, like I remember, man, there was times where... Like I would wake up, 
my sleep would be so shit, but I would be like almost emotional just from being like so depleted, you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. being in such a, a long-term deficit. Like it's crazy that they can do that to you, like the food. Absolutely. What else did you kind of experience when you had those? Yeah, so like just my recovery was bad. Like I, I was training maybe three, four times a week, but just felt like I never, ever recovered man like yeah my volume was intensity was quite low like my workouts were just trash like I was more there just to get it done and tick it off rather than actually focus on improving my lifts and stuff so um yeah I just felt like my energy levels were just non-existent yeah and that's gonna be the case and it sucks like at the time you want to train you want to train hard you want to you know if you're training for aesthetic purposes and you feel like shit yeah. and you're drained and 100%. you're moody. So part of the mindset shift, it's again, takes time. It's not an overnight thing, but a mindset shift of, I'm actually going to try and focus a bit more on my gym performance rather than a number on the scale and yeah. how I look. It's yeah. more, what can I actually do with my body in the gym? What, Absolutely. And yeah. then you'd be surprised like by focusing on that and just eating a bit more magic can happen uh, amazing well answered i love that brother Thank you. um just probably one more thing on the nutrition before we move to the training part because um that's probably your your favorite part and mine <laughs> too actually um there is a few misconceptions i think with with people that go into a gaining phase like with the what's a quote-unquote dirty bulk or a clean bulk like how important is it to still eat um the correct foods like i don't know if you go by like 80 percent nutrient dense and then 20 percent caloric dense and um yeah a lot of people i think they think oh it's time to bulk so they just they just feed their body with shit like how important is it to keep those food groups you know pretty consistent and healthy or quote-unquote healthy i would say pretty pretty damn important yeah not only from a um, energy wines, but also a health point of view. At the mm. end of the day, a lot of us exercise to feel better, yeah. move better, and help our health markers. So yeah. if we're stuffing ourselves with, quote unquote, that dirty bulk, yeah. oh, I'll stop off KFC, I'm bulking, I can have that, <laughs> yeah. you know, I can have that uh, zinger box yeah. and oh, I'll get a side of this, a side of that. Yeah. Um, sure, it's, it's extra calories, it's putting you within a surplus. Yeah. But it's what's it kind of doing long term and how much over your surplus are you as yeah. well like if you're thousands of like a thousand or more calories over your surplus yeah you'll gain some weight you'll gain some muscle in there but you'll gain a lot of fat yeah um and then if down the road you want to lose some body fat again and um go into a bit of a deficit it's going to be a lot harder doing bad habits yeah, yeah yeah that's right not only are you sort of used to eating more uh more food and more unhealthy food you're used to that you like it um yeah you've got more fat to lose yeah it becomes a lot harder, harder so yeah. the dirty bulk is sort of a bit of a myth yeah that i i definitely don't really recommend yeah what normally is and what i promote is a really small surplus yeah so nothing too big not you know, doubling your calories or anything yeah. like that. So How much in terms of calories you reckon above maintenance? Yeah, maybe like going? 10%. Yeah. To start with or, yeah. or less. Yeah. So if let's even say your, your rough maintenance calories is like 2,800 for an 80 kilo male or, um, you know, 1,300 for a female, like 60 kilos. Yeah. Um, for the male, maybe you bump that up to 3,000. So you go just an extra couple just hundred. Just a small jump. Yeah. Nice small jump. And then for the, for the female, maybe you go to... 1500 instead yeah. of 1300 start small and then 
over time, if you're tracking your body weight, you can see what the trend is and... Just rinse and repeat kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, the same thing with a fat loss phase where you can, your weight loss can stall, your yeah. weight gain can stall as well. So when you notice you're not really gaining at an appropriate, weight, at appropriate rate, which is roughly 1%, that's the upper end, 1% of your body weight per month. So if you're not really gaining close to that, or between 0.5% and 1%, if you're not in that ballpark, then maybe you can bump your calories a little bit more. Yeah. So you go from 3,000, now you're at 3,200. Yeah. And then see what happens. Yeah, beautiful, man. Nice. Uh, the food stuff is always good to touch on it. And a lot of people, as I said, a lot of misconceptions with nutrition in the industry, as you as you know, as you sit there nodding your head, unfortunately, no visual today. But um, yeah, there's a lot of crap to follow, man. So it's a it's a really good breakdown. And I love those answers. It's uh, going to give the listeners some awesome insights. So um, let's move on to the training side of things, because um, I don't think it differs too much in terms of... Um, you know, training for fat loss and stuff. I think the compound lifts and all that are still pretty important. But um, I guess, like, let's start with, again, the misconception side of things with, like, if you're trying to gain size, like the old school bro split and you kind of smash one body part on one day of the week and then you let it recover for another seven days before you go again. Um, so I just, I guess, man, just to show off the bat, how do you break up your volume um, with your training, like, per muscle groups in a week? Yeah, Um Used to follow the bro split. <laughs> I think everyone did when they first started training. Yeah. Um, bro, what are you hitting today? Oh, chest day today. <laughs> <laughs> 20 sets on the chest yep. and then your last That's couple it. of lifts are just absolute trash. They go nowhere. <laughs> legs, legs on a Wednesday, you know, give yourself a week to recover. That's it. Um, so it's like the classic, I guess, old school training way. And unfortunately, still a lot of beginners like fall into that and it, like look any training's better than no training yeah but there are some better ways absolutely that you can structure that whether you're a beginner or intermediate definitely more so advanced as well yeah um frequency wise of a muscle group i look to hit at least two times a week yeah so legs quads hamstrings calves twice a week yeah chest back shoulders tries biceps everything twice a week yeah how you kind of split that up and what day you do is going to depend obviously on your schedule and uh things like that your your lifestyle your work but if you can structure it in a way where you're at least hitting those muscle groups twice a week yeah that's the frequency yeah that you beautiful look for. how come it's important to to break like obviously you and me would talk about that um old school way and you kind of smash one body part how come it's important to break it up across the week and hit it two times is it more for um form side of things so obviously if you just work one muscle group per day it's going to be pretty fucked by your last few sets <laughs> and your last few exercises or is it more adaptations in the body like the body can recover quicker and it's ready to go after a few days so or is it a little bit of both yeah a little bit of both yeah. absolutely um more definitely in terms of the recover recoverability of yeah. the muscle group so if you can let's say hit your hit your chest on a monday you do maybe a set of dumbbell bench and a couple sets of chest fly probably by the wednesday good to go again. thursday you're good to go again whereas if you only did that once a week let's say you did on monday you did a bench press chest fly decline bench maybe because you did a couple extra exercises you might need the recovery till thursday but then you've got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah. that you're not 
hitting your chest again and not giving it another stimulus for muscle growth. So if you can hit it more frequently through the week, it's just more opportunity to stimulate those fibers, get the growth pathways going, allow for good recovery between more practice as well, like with some of the main compound lifts. So you get a bit of, you know, skill acquisition, you learn the movements. Yeah. Um, And that's essentially the main reasons why you'd want to be hitting them more than twice a week. Some muscle groups you definitely can, like you could probably hit biceps and triceps three, maybe even four times a week. Whether you need to, that's another another question. Yeah. But a lot of people, if they um, recover okay, they get enough sleep and their nutrition's fueling their training, they can probably definitely get a hit a muscle group twice a week, no problem. And in terms, now that we're talking about you know frequency for muscle groups and stuff, how about sets per muscle group per week? Um, this is pretty big one. Like as we said, like obviously in terms of overloading and stuff and. Um, I guess when you have a beginner or even intermediate lifter come in and you're figuring out a new program, um, how many sets per week do you allocate for um, optimal hypertrophy? So it'll just depend on quite a number of factors, but let's say, for example, I've got a beginner. Yeah. I'm going to do the most minimal effective dose that Yeah, just because they'll have a response to everything pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's it. They'll touch the bar and they'll get gains <laughs> so jealous <laughs> i reckon i reckon oh that's the best time of training yeah newbie gains <laughs> loved it yeah so anywhere between minimum so we mentioned where we hit we're hitting the muscle group twice a week yeah in terms of sets per week looking for at least minimum of eight ten is quote unquote the optimal amount but if we've got a beginner as i said they're going to touch a bar they're going to make gains so you only probably need eight sets to start with for any muscle group. So again, if we look at we look at chest on a Monday, we might do two sets of dumbbell bench followed by two sets of a chest fly. Thursday, we might do uh, two sets of a chest press and uh, two sets of another chest fly variation. There's our eight sets. Yeah, that's enough to begin with. Over time, as you get a bit more advanced, your training age increases. That's going to change. That's going to differ on how many sets you might need per muscle group. But again, the minimum, once you start to progress a little bit more, is probably 10. So if you're at least hitting 10 sets per week on on the muscle groups, you're pretty sweet. And there's some other factors that are needed to go along with that, which we can touch on a bit later. But um, if you're you're hitting that, you're awesome. You're good to go. You, You don't need to be slamming 20 sets a week or anything like that. Yeah. There's a guy I follow. I forgot his um, forgot his name from Team 3DMJ. Do you know Do you know that? No, nah, I haven't heard. Oh, of okay. They're they're awesome. They got like Eric Helms and yeah. Um, they're really great. Like one of the guys, he's like in his late fifties, sixties, and he's been bodybuilding natural for like thirty years. And the amount of sets he does is just even lower than eight yeah. per week. It's crazy to tell people that that's all you need. Like I remember. Mm. When I used to get, before I even knew anything, man, before I even started bloody following fitness stuff and, and I would get a program and I'd be like, oh, like, is this it? Like, how am I ever going to grow big off this? It's like, I only have to do it eight times, like, like eight reps, it's nothing, you know? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, the misconceptions are unbelievable yeah, in terms of that, yeah. It so, really is. Yeah, and I guess that will lead us into the next part. Like, um, 
and I guess in terms of compound lifts and ISO lifts as well, we'll include this, but obviously we've touched on, you know, the sets per week, but in terms of rep ranges, um, like what would you prescribe for that as well? Because, um, yeah, obviously we know with compound, uh, we want to keep it pretty low, but still see people, you know, smash, you know, like 20 reps or so, but it does vary from individuals. So, um, yeah, what factors do you put into your programming when you put in your rep ranges for people? Yeah, you, you kind of mentioned it there, but it'll sort of depend a bit on the exercise that we're doing. So the bigger compound lifts, you know, squats, leg presses, deadlifts, RDLs, bench press, barbell row, overhead press. Yeah. That's sort of the compound stuff, chin-ups as well. We're looking for that, but anywhere between 5 probably to 12. Somewhere between there, even 12 is pushing it a little bit. Yeah. Um, somewhere between there. More isolation exercises, like a leg extension machine, hamstring curl, calf raises, rear delt fly, chest flies, things along those lines, lateral raises, anywhere from 12 all the way up to 25 yeah. reps is, is good. Yeah. So some exercises are definitely better geared to the lower reps, yeah. and some are definitely better geared to the higher reps. If you think about doing a squat for... 15 20 reps yeah that dangerous. sounds like a nightmare to me <laughs> yeah i feel sick already yeah <laughs> um whereas if you think about a leg extension for that that's man like it's hard yeah. but it's definitely more manageable and vice versa if you think about doing a set of five reps on a leg extension well oh, that gonna... that sounds hard to yeah. get going and yeah. a bit tough on the knees and exactly. everything like that whereas a set of five or six on a squat is much more doable yeah um so yeah, certain things are better for certain exercises. Yeah. But the beauty of hypertrophy training is you can make gains anywhere between five to thirty reps. Yeah. Anywhere between that spectrum, you can yeah. make you can make gains. Yeah. I suppose the days of just between eight and twelve are kind of gone, aren't mm. they? Yeah. 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 It's a great rep range to shoot for, but one of the absolute key requirements for building muscle. Less so for straight up beginners, but especially once you get more intermediate and advanced, is how hard you're working on the set. Yeah. So if you, as um, if you leave reps in the tank after you've finished. So I'm not sure if you heard of like the RPE reps yeah, in reserve right, now uh, wave that's yeah. happening. So that's yeah. that's essentially yeah how many reps you've got left in the tank after. Yeah. So if let's say we're on a set of leg extensions and we think, okay, I'm just going to do between 8 and 12 reps and you get to your 12th rep and then you stop, but you left 8 reps in the tank. That set, if you're intermediate or advanced, is probably not stimulative enough. Yeah. So you keep going. That's why it's good to not necessarily have a strict rep range limit. Yeah. Just 8 to 12. It's give yourself a large range, but make sure you're working within at least three reps to no reps left in the tank yeah do you think people need to train till failure to to get a good response i know a lot of people mm. want to go hard and, and kind of smash themselves but how minimal like or how important is it to leave a few reps there yeah it's a really good question i think it depends on how often or how long this person's been training for um what's the exercise they're doing so if they're doing a barbell squat and they're going fairly heavy to failure and they've got no spotters. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe it's good to cap it at like two two reps left yeah. in the tank just for a bit of safety or you definitely can push. 
but is it worth it? You can probably still make great gains if you just leave a couple reps in the tank on a big lift like that. For more isolation exercises, leg extensions, bicep curls, lateral raises, I think it's really important to start learning to push towards failure. And it can give you a really good indicator of how your training is going. Yeah. So one thing I like to do with anyone I work with, even beginners, intermediates, advanced, on a lower threshold exercise, like the ones I just mentioned, leg extensions or bicep curls, I'll get them to do a set. I'll say, all right, I want you to go till maybe you got a couple reps left in the tank or I want you to go, you know, just do a set with this, do 15 reps. They'll do it. I'll ask, I might ask them, oh, okay, how many more reps do you think you had left in the tank there? They might say, oh, none. And then yeah. I'll then the next set, we're going to go all out. We're going to go to failure on it. It's safe. It's controlled. It's, yeah. it's fine. No problem. Um, so they might go to failure. And if they get... 16 17 reps in the on that set and the first set they did 15 beautiful yeah that's a sweet spot perfect yeah but if they then get to 30 and they're like i could still keep going we've left so much in the tank there yeah and it helps to educate on wow okay i'm really undershooting here yeah i need to push a little bit more yeah and then maybe the next set we go heavier and they get within that range and then they can, you can they learn. They can realize, yeah. You can learn. You can go, oh, okay, this is what it's got to feel like. Yeah. I actually had that moment a bit with Josh last week. We did this thing. He said it was like myo training. So yes. we did the curls and I, he's like, what do you normally max out? I was like, oh, probably the 10s. But I think he thought I was talking crap. But then I ended up maxing out at like 16, 17 and then we did the deep breaths and then like once I left, man, I had that much blood in my biceps. I could barely like bend my arm. And I was like, damn, I was like, I didn't realize I could even do things yeah. like that. Like I haven't had a pump like this maybe ever. Yeah. <laughs> Elbows are trying to drive. Elbows are just shortened. Legit, you know, man. My veins were like 20 mil out of the skin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nurse's dream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I guess it was kind of like a moment where I was like, wow, maybe I can actually, I can do more, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it was, um, yeah, pretty full on. And you can definitely make progress without going to that extreme for yeah. quite a while. Like, as I said, beginners, they go years without really needing to go super close to failure. Yeah. But once you get more advanced, if you're not within that range and you're not getting, you're not stimulating the muscle enough, because that's what it is doing. It's really recruiting all the muscle fibers yeah. when you're going that close to failure, which is what you want. You want to get that tension, the damage. That's how you grow. So as you get more advanced, you need that. And if you're not getting that and your volume per week, so you're not getting your 10 sets a week and you're not within that range, then you probably won't see much progress. But if you are within that range of close to failure and you're ticking your volume requirements, you're eating well, you're sleeping well, that's that's how you make gains. Yeah. That's progress right there. Oh, that's a good answer. Oh, yeah. Thanks. That's the quote-unquote secret. To yeah, that's it. There's, there it is, listeners. Or you can a... buy all my supplements. Here. Yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> Use the code, though. I got yes, one. <laughs> yeah. 10% off. <laughs> no, that's awesome, mate. Awesome breakdown, man. And um, I guess this is 
I'm really intrigued by this next question. Um, and obviously, when we talk about beginners, like compound lifts are obviously the number one focus and even intermediate lifters as well. But um, it might be a little bit of a loaded question, a bit open-ended. But when you get into that advanced stage, um, and you can even break down the beginner and intermediate stage too, like um, how important is compound lifts before the ISO lifts? And then like as you do get to that advanced level, like do you need to put a few of those, the isometric ones first to pre-fatigue, to make it harder, to get mm. more stimulus? Um, can you break that down for me? Because I know it's a pretty loaded question, but mm. um, yeah, I was just really interested if there is a time where kind of the ISO ones can take over from the compound. Yeah, sure, man. So as with any approach in health and fitness, there's many schools of thought. There's many different Layers, ways yeah. to skin the cat. <laughs> that's, um, that's definitely one you can do as you get more advanced. It's a solid foundation on, on why you would do that so um what for example it might be you're training your legs and you want to um, get a really good quad stimulus for the day so you might hop on the leg extension first yeah rep it out um create some disruptions get some local fatigue get some get a bit of that pump going there then you might hop on and do some squats afterwards really solid way to go about it it's one way or you can not do that and go the other way and do your squats first and then finish with your leg extensions. Yeah. To be honest, there's probably no right way or wrong way. Yeah. Um, for myself, I would typically just follow a pattern that has worked previously in the past. Yeah. So if I've been making slow, steady gains on my squats first, then my isolation exercises, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I'm probably mm. just going to keep going with that. Yeah. But in saying that, it, it might very well be a good training strategy, but it's not something I, I typically do myself with more advanced guys. I think the simple things work really well. And if you do them long enough and well enough, they, they work just yeah. as good. So yeah, um, yeah, that's probably my, my thoughts on that. Yeah, beauty, man. And, and for beginners, is it really important for them to, to just focus on the compound stuff? Um, obviously we touched on advanced lifters and what they can do and obviously you said everyone will find their own way but is it important for beginners or even intermediates to a certain degree to really focus on nailing those compound lifts first? I think it is yeah. and you can still make plenty of gains without ever touching a doing a barbell squat or yeah. a barbell deadlift Absolutely. or a barbell bench. You can make unreal progress without it. But in saying that, I think... It's still good to learn just to have a foundation of a movement pattern. So if, let's say, for example, early on you learn how to barbell squat and you practice that technique and you become decent at it, pretty proficient, you can then take that squat pattern to any other movement in the gym. You might take it to, a, uh, it might make learning safety bar squats easier yeah. or it might make learning, um, if you want to transition to powerlifting and one rep max strength, it might make low bar squatting easier. Or if you want to um, jump to another squat variation, pause squatting, it might make that a bit easier. So I think it's pretty useful to learn just fundamental foundations of movement. And then, because it translates, as I said, to yeah. other movements later on down the gym. Yeah. It sort of is like, analogy could almost be like learning a language when you're young. Makes and then it becomes ingrained in you. Yeah. And then it's easier as you you know it's you learn it when you're young so when you become older you can speak it a bit more proficiently and that's kind of how i look at it yeah. in terms of that but 
in saying that, I, I also still am now classifying more compound lifts, not just as barbell movements. Yeah. So I'm, I'd classify a hack squat or a belt squat as still a compound squat movement because you're yeah. using the mu- multiple muscle groups. And That's it. So And you're like, your muscles don't know the exercise that they're doing. Like, you know, if yeah. you start doing a bench press, your chest isn't going to go, oh, load up, boys, we're doing bench, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, And there's certain things that I do in the gym that I started hating, man. Like, I hated barbell RDLs. Like, it was just one of the things that I was just like, shit. But along, like, I just thought this is what I had to do to to work the hammies, you know what I mean? And then I ended up doing barbell, uh, dumbbell ones, and I was like, wow, I love this so much more. Um, like, it, people can go from those certain movements like it's all about load to the muscles and the stimulus like they don't have to do those certain exercises if they don't like them do they spot on absolutely and it becomes about yeah more so what can you do what gets you the best feeling best stimulus on the muscle and you don't have to do those barbell lifts if you don't want to that's the beauty of hypertrophy training you have so many ways and so many tools that you can use at your disposal to hit your muscles that's it if you want to go more down the powerlifting strength side you're a bit more limited Mm. because it's part of the sport you need to barbell squat you need to barbell bench you need to barbell deadlift but if you're trying to just get jacked and build some muscle you've got endless opportunity you got endless um, options that you can do and you're not locked in which is why i think it's such a great way to train um, and really leads to long-term sustainability because if you get bored of something, and you can swap it. 100%. You know? If you're bored of um, leg press, for you've been doing it for six months, easy. You can change it up, go for a hack squat, yeah. pump out some sets on that for a few months, get bored of that, change over to a belt squat, Absolutely. change over to a lunge, change over to something else. There's so many different options. Do yeah. it single leg, do it double leg, do it pause, do it with a tempo. Yeah, make it fun. Yeah. yeah That's yeah. what I think I've, I've loved the most about coming into the industry and learning more is that I used to think things were so one way, like do this and this will happen. But like at the end of the day, it's more about enjoyment than anything. And like I think once you teach that to people, like that's when they get their best results because they, they know that they don't have to um, – do shit that they hate you know what i mean they look yeah. forward to training and they look forward to their diet because there's more than one way to do it there's they can do it their way and enjoy it absolutely definitely yeah. i will say though as well uh, a hard leg day is still you might not enjoy yes. it all the time <laughs> if you do it well um if you're working at the good intensity a tough leg day probably not super enjoyable in nah, the moment that's it. but there's ways you can make it more sustainable like as, as we talked about you can pick an exercise that feels good for you you yeah. get that feeling in your muscles and um you might feel like you're gonna throw it but hey <laughs> i actually remember the first time i did like a a real proper like calf started implementing calf raises and stuff like i literally couldn't put my heel back on the ground for like a day and a half that were that sore nice <laughs> so that's when i was like oh do i really want this life <laughs> <laughs> but nah we love him now yeah that's <laughs> oh, good again man like well answered and um uh, there's a few just a few more things i want to touch on you but this has been like uh, i'm really loving this man this is good chat but um i want to touch on progressive overload and, and i really want you to um kind of tell listeners what it is because obviously it's important to to give the the muscles the right stimulus and kind of give your body new heights to adapt to because um yeah you've got to give your body a reason to change and if you're not adapting to new heights you're just going to remain the same you know what i mean so um yeah let's break down progressive overload like what is it and why should you be reaching for it mm, yeah so you you mentioned it really well there it's 
your body gets used to the same thing. Like if you go in the gym and every time you go in the gym, you chuck on 40 kilos for your squats and you just keep doing that. You do your eight reps of 40, you're gonna, your body's gonna adapt to that and it's gonna not be any more of a challenge, any more of a stimulus anymore after a certain point. Maybe when you first started, it was, it was good, but after six weeks, it's not really doing anything for you anymore. So progressive overload is really important to improve and get better and see more results and get more jacked. So there's a number of ways that you can go about it. Progressive overload, you can go more weight, more sets, more reps, anything that you can try and do a little bit more than last time. It's yeah. typically the, the just the general advice I would give. So shoot for something on every exercise. Shoot for something, if you can, that's more than last time. Maybe yeah. you try for literally one more rep out of your entire set. Three sets, out of all those three sets, you're just shooting for one more rep. It's more than last time. Yeah. Or maybe you try an extra 1.25 kilos on a lift. You're, you're trying to strive to give your body a new reason to adapt. There's nothing too small, is there? In terms no, of no, definitely yeah. not. And there's even no harm in repeating the same workouts for a little period of time if they're pretty tough. But at some point, you're going to have to try and give it a new challenge and progress yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. Um, that's just how you make progress in the long term. Yeah, easy. And if people aren't making progress and they're kind of plateauing a little bit in terms of their strength gains aren't improving, um, and like I know it, it might touch on the nutrition and, and recovery a little bit, but if people aren't progressing in the gym, um, what are your tips for them in terms of they're not progressing with strength gains? Yeah, so first thing I'd probably look at is what outside is going on in the gym. Yeah, as you said, nutrition sleep because if someone is sleeping four hours a night work stress is crazy high yeah. haven't been able to get their meals in they're eating basically in a deficit that's going to really impact yeah. someone's ability to recover and perform and train really well so that's probably the number one first thing to look at in my in my view um, then the next thing is you can have a bit of a breakdown of the program so how long have you been trying this exercise? How long have you been in this rep range? You know, what's your technique like? Is there some technique modifications that we can we yeah. can do? A classic example that I always see people run into is the barbell overhead press, like a six rep max or five reps or something. They just get stuck at like 45 kilos for five and they can't seem to go anymore. So one way I might attack that is Okay, let's have a look how many times you're shoulder pressing in the week. You might only be doing it once. All right, what if we do that now twice a week and on one day we go a little bit lighter. So maybe we drop from five reps, maybe we drop down to eight or 10 or even 12. And then on another day, maybe we try a shoulder press variation. Yeah. So maybe we try like a dumbbell or something or like a push press with the bar. So that way you're kind of making some small modifications to your program, you're getting more frequency of the lift, you might be changing the rep ranges, um, changing certain positions, that might help break a bit of a plateau as well. But that's after we've assessed what else is going on in the life, sleep, nutrition, recoverability, things like that. So that's kind of how I might tackle someone who's like plateaued on a lift yeah. for a long time. Because it's, sometimes it's normal to plateau for like one, two, three weeks. Yeah. 
if it's but if it's a trend if it's like longer than that if it's six seven eight weeks two months you're stuck on the same weight all right it's time to change time to change yeah let's see what we can modify yeah yeah beautiful and and as i said before like um like how often should people look to add a little bit i know you said um you know try and get something every session but I know this is a bit loaded again. It could be open ended, um, but kind of it should. That should be every session. They should put you know an extra rep, like extra set. Um, like how often should people try to to bust through their plateau, like and lift more weight or more sets and reps, as you said. Mm. I still reckon at least attempting, like going yeah. in with the mindset of, hey, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna see what I can do today, but I'm gonna try and push. I'm gonna try and do a little bit more. Um, something again doesn't have to always be more weight it can just be i'm going to try and do one more rep yeah or i'm going to try and even do the same weight but make it feel easier yeah with the same reps so last time i did bench as an example last time i did bench oh my god the 40 kilos on the bench for five reps i nearly died nearly decapitated myself that was (laughs) brutal Next time you do it, maybe try five again and just see how it moves. Maybe yeah. it's like, oh, actually that moves so much better today. I had one or two reps left in the tank. Yeah. That's progression. Yeah. So it doesn't always have to be trying to do more each time, even though I think you should aim for it, but it might just be, can I try and do the same and make it move better? And another thing on top of that is there might not be times where you can do that at all. And that's totally fine. So you've had a long work day, big week, you're feeling run down, you've just come off sickness, you've had to isolate for COVID, whatever it might be. Yeah. That's fine. You don't have to you don't have to push um, to what you were doing previously. Yeah. But you're still showing up, you're still doing the work. But yeah. it might just be a little bit less and then in a few weeks' time you'll be back to back up again. Back up again. Yeah. Exactly beautiful man uh again really well answered and mate we've had such a great chat there's been some really good things we've covered today and um yeah even i know the listeners will take so much from it but even a few things i was a bit um unsure of wanting to to grab off you which is awesome so i just wanted to throw one more at you man and um this is like um you see like people there's a lot of misconceptions about lifting weights like people don't want to get too big they don't want to get too bulky and um yeah like what's your answer to those misconceptions where like Hmm. especially sometimes females will worry about adding muscle and stuff um like yeah what are your what's your um opinion on that for people who think lifting weights will make them you know huge and give them that you know big cloudy bulky look and stuff like that yeah and look it's honestly fair enough yeah like i fully understand yeah 100 when someone has that viewpoint like i mean you you think of if imagine put yourself in someone's shoes who's never trained never stepped foot in the gym before it can be really daunting like i would imagine my first thought would be oh my god those enormous like boulders of men who are just like like it's scary even now man i still get like anxious if i if i see them dropping weights or slamming you know they finish a heavy set of flat pull down and the yeah the weights are smashing down and the cables are making noise like still even for me like anxious still exactly and we're in the industry and we know 100 percent. so for someone on the outside like i fully understand i fully respect that so i never i never want to dismiss that or brush that off because it's very valid the way i sort of approach it is um i use like an analogy of if i stepping in the gym will not make you immediately bulky the analogy i might give is if 
I'm not going to go in my car because if I go in my car, I'm going to turn into an F1 race. I'm going to yeah. turn into an F1 driver. Yeah. That's sort of the mindset. Like, it, if you think about that, you go, oh, okay. So the way I explain it is, look, if you, are, if you have seen females who are just ripped and jacked and everything like that, they probably do bodybuilding for a living. Yeah. Their life revolves around it. That's it. They yeah. train six, seven days a week for three hours on end. Their nutrition is everything's targeted towards it. They're likely on steroids. Yeah. So if that's who you're looking at and what you think you're gonna look like, it's couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. Again, the analogy, you're not gonna hop in your car turn into a rally F1 car or F1 yeah. driver. Yeah. So I think once you explain that, people are often a little bit more open to starting resistance training and then you can kind of explain a bit of the benefits of, well, actually, research has shown and that's how you get a lot of that tone look, which is what most women typically are, are after. Yeah. Is a well-defined muscle with a reduction in body fat. Yeah. So that's kind of how I approach it. I, I never dismiss it, but then I might just explain a bit of an analogy and um, how it can help you've given us some amazing content today the everything i've thrown at you has just been well answered and really well broken down and i know so many people are gonna take this and run from it mate so um again thank you so much for jumping on mate i really appreciate the time um and yeah thank you thank you so much oh i'm honored man like it's great to be on so i really appreciate yeah. you having me and it's been a great no great worries. discussion